<laughs> Look this way. Projectile <laughs> ball. Yeah. Alright. Turn with me, if you would, this morning to Jeremiah chapter 1. Passage of scripture that uh, is on my mind this morning. Actually, there was another verse that was on my mind at first, and in reading that, I went back a few verses and a few chapters and started reading here this morning in Jeremiah. Thought I might uh, try to bring forth some things that the Lord is pleased to give me utterance. Uh, Some thoughts here in these first few verses of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1, I'm going to start reading verse 5, I'm going to uh, read down to uh, verse uh, 19 to the end of the chapter. Let's bow before the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come to you now and we thank you for your mercy and for your grace. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for salvation. Thank you for your sovereignty of all things. We thank you for your predestinated purpose, Lord, that we know that everything in this life is not in a chaotic mess, that is not happening opposite of what you have planned and purposed, but is going exactly according to the way that you have designed. Father, we come to you this morning humbly, asking that you might be with us today as we come and gather to worship you. and We ask that you would help us, Lord, that you would strengthen us in the inner man, that you would teach us and prepare us for this worship, that you might lift our hearts to you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, Lord, we might be glad in him that we might, as we just sang, rest in that man who has secured all things on our behalf. And as we also just sang, Lord, the things of this world that we perform, whether good or bad, does not avail us to you, but in Christ alone does our faith find rest. And so we ask, Lord, today that we might see Christ and that our faith that you have given us through Christ Jesus would Find its rest in you as we see this morning Christ vividly portrayed. Lord, we thank you so much for all that you have done for us. I ask, Lord, now that you would continue to bless in this time, that you would give hearing ears, that you would give me ability to speak, Lord, that you would help me in my infirmity. Lord, that you might just bless your people. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Starting reading in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 4, it says, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And then said I, All Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, 
Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and he said said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms, to root out and to pull down, and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Then said the Lord unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. The word of the Lord came unto me the second time, saying, What seest thou? And I and and I said, I see a seething pot, and the face thereof is toward the north. Then the Lord said unto me, Out of the north an evil shall break forth upon all the inhabitants of the land. For lo, I will call all the families of the kingdoms of the north, saith the Lord, and they shall come, and they shall set every one his throne at the in, uh, entering of the gates of Jerusalem, and against all the walls thereof round about, and against all the cities of Judah, And I will utter my judgments against them, touching all their wickedness, who have forsaken me, and have burned incense unto other gods, and worship the works of their own hands. Thou therefore gird up thy loins, and arise, and speak unto them all that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. For behold, I have made thee this day a defense city, and an iron pillar, and a brazen, and brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, and against the people of the land. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. Now as we look at these uh, verses here, the first thing that comes to mind is this is the call of Jeremiah. Uh, the prophet. Jeremiah was one of the major prophets of the Old Testament. And uh, we definitely see in the physical, uh, this was Jeremiah's calling. I don't doubt any bit of what this is saying here, that God had, before Jeremiah was even born, had sanctified him and ordained him to be a prophet. It says there in verse 5, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet. Now, brethren, I want to look at these verses here, not necessarily in the physical, and I've mentioned this to you before. While we see in the Old Testament a lot of physical things that definitely took place, that were realities that actually happened, not just allegories or stories, but they are uh, that they were uh, actual happenings. But again, we look past the physical and we look and try to see the spiritual because the Bible says that in the volume of of the book, these things are written about Christ. The Bible says that from uh, from from Moses and the prophets, all the things that are written are written about Christ. So the Old Testament is all written about Jesus Christ. And whenever we look to God's Word, especially in the Old Testament, if we're not looking to see Christ, in all of this, then we're missing the whole point. This was written for the reason of revealing Christ Jesus. That's why the Word of God is given to us, whether it be Old Testament or New Testament. 
It is a written testimony. It is a preserved testimony of God's revelation of himself in the man, Jesus Christ. And so whenever we look at these things, while we see the physical call of Jeremiah, the prophet of God, and all the things that Jeremiah did and experienced and the people of Israel and all the nations that come against uh, Jerusalem and, and against uh, uh, the prophets and against the people of God, whenever we look at all those things, they have spiritual connotations to them. And we want to find Jesus in that. And today I think we ought to look at this and see that while this may be talking about Jeremiah being called as a prophet, I believe if we look a little bit further, we see that this is actually uh, speaking and revealing to us about Jesus himself. This is the calling of Jesus Christ, the anointed of God. That's what Christ is. The Jesus, his last name isn't Christ. Christ is a title that was given to him. Christ means the anointed one. Christ means the Messiah, the deliverer, the, the, the Savior. Jesus Christ, that, that word is, is uh, full of uh, meaning there. Well, the word Jeremiah just so happens. God didn't willy-nilly put all these things together in calling this prophet because we see here in verse 5, before he even formed him in the belly and brought him forth from the womb, he had already, in God's eternal purpose and plan, sanctified and ordained Jeremiah at this point in time to become a prophet for God. <clears throat> and the word Jeremiah means the one who is appointed of God. Jesus Christ was the man who was appointed of God to save his people. Jesus Christ was the one who was appointed of God to take on flesh, for God to, to take on flesh and to come. And as man and God be the mediator between God and man. Jesus was the appointed one to come and to preach uh, victory, to come and preach deliverance to those who were held captive. He was come to be the victor over the enemies of God's people, particularly sin and death, the enemies of Satan and sin and death. And while we see there's physical stuff here happening, if we go a little bit further and look into the spiritual aspect of this, we see the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't think it's any uh, chance that his name was Jeremiah because it is the one who was appointed of God. It says, The word of the Lord came unto me, Jeremiah, the one who was appointed of God. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee, a prophet under the nations. Is not Jesus Christ the one who God had brought forth from eternity in his manhood to be the mediator, to be the prophet to the nations, to be the preacher? Now, I'm a preacher, but I'm not the preacher. I am not the prophet. Jesus is the prophet, priest, and king. He is the one who has come. It is he who does the teaching in the heart. It is he who comes and declares the things of God. The Bible says that Jesus is the one who has declared God. 
Think what we know about God, we know because of Jesus. And so it says here that the word of the Lord came unto Jesus, saying, Before I formed thee, before I brought thee forth, I set thee apart and ordained thee for this appointed office as Christ, as the anointed one, as the Messiah, as the Savior. He appointed him. God has covenanted to be a Savior to his people, and Jesus is that person. I look forward and I see that it says that I have ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Jesus wasn't just to come. Now, while he was here on earth, he came and preached specifically to the people of Israel. But yet, that did not stop there. From the beginning of time, God had purposed that it wasn't just going to be for Israel, but it was going to be for the whole world. The preaching of the gospel was to be sent into all the world. And so, therefore, Jesus would become a prophet, not only to the nation of Israel, but to all the nations of the world. The, the spread of the gospel, and especially from the time of Jesus' resurrection forward, we see that the nations now have the gospel being preached to. That the gospel has went out into all the world. And I don't believe there's a place that the gospel has not went. Now, is there places that in little segments where people may not have happened to hear the preaching of the gospel, there may be some, but they went out to all the nations. We know that the gospel has been preached to all the world. The Bible says so in Acts. That the, that the word went out to all the world. And so I trust that God knows what he's saying whenever he told us that. Whether or not all the missionary-minded people want to say that that's not true, it is true, according to the scripture that God has given to us. But Jesus has been appointed by God to be the prophet unto all the nations. Now notice that it's he that is the prophet unto all the nations. Whenever the prophets of the Old Testament spoke, they spoke the words of God. They spoke what God told them to speak. They were not thinking things up on their own, coming up with their own ideas, with their own learning or anything like that. The word of the Lord came to them and said, this, say this to the people. And we'll see this here in a minute, but say this to the people. So they only spoke the things that God had given them to speak. Well, is not Jesus the one, the Bible says, that I only speak the things that I have seen and heard? That all that the Father has told me, that's what I've spoken unto you? Jesus in his prayer in, in John 17, he said, all those things that you've given me to, to reveal to them, I've revealed to them. I've given everything to my people. Whenever Jesus uh, was, talk, was talked about in Philippians, he said that he humbled himself as a servant and became obedient to God, meaning that everything that the Father had given for him to accomplish as the appointed one, he accomplished. He heard it. And he did it. And this is where it says here uh, that uh, that he has been ordained a prophet. Uh, and in verse 9, look at verse 9. It says, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. So Jesus only spoke the things that he had seen and heard of the Father. 
those things that he has given to us. Jump back up to verse 6. It says, Then said I, O Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. See, Jesus only goes to those whom the Lord has sent. Remember whenever Jesus was praying in that 17th chapter of John, he was praying for his people. He said, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but I pray for them, the ones that thou hast given me. Jesus prayed for those that God had given him, and the message that God had given him was to whom Jesus was taking that message to, the ones that he prayed for. Matter of fact, Jesus had mentioned even before that, one time in speaking of God, whenever God had revealed truth to his disciples, he said, you know, he prayed, lifted his eyes up to heaven. He said, I thank you, Father, uh, that you have revealed these things, that you've hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, and that you've hidden them uh, in, in their eyes. They can't see them. They can't understand. But you've revealed them unto babes. You've revealed them unto my children. You've revealed them unto the, those that you have given me. Of course, we've talked a lot about that uh, only those who have been born from above, they're the ones who know the things of God. The sheep are the only ones who can hear God's words and know God's words because they are his people. And Jesus was sent to speak to these people. And he said, I'm going to, come, I'm going to send you and you're going to speak to whomever I send you to speak to. And that's exactly what Jesus did. That's exactly what Jesus continues to do. He continues to bring his word to the people that God has chosen from before the foundation of the world. It says in verse 7, But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And you notice there it says, All that I shall send thee. It doesn't say, Unto some that I shall send thee, but unto all that I shall send thee. See, there isn't one child of God that the word of the gospel is not going to come to. They will be taught, given faith, and taught of God to know Christ Jesus. I don't believe that there are people that are born into this world, elect of God, who have eternal salvation, that go through this life and then go out of this life and never hear the gospel of Jesus Christ or have been given faith and taught of God to know Christ and to come to Him. And I know people like to say that there's there's people with mental deficiencies that can't ever know that, that may be, you know, uh, what about people that are in comas? Or what about people that are in a state of, uh, you know, such a mental decapacity that they can't know anything? What about babies? What about those in the womb before they're ever born. You know? Brother, I just take what the Bible says. The Bible says that all that the Father gives me shall come to me. He says that he is going to teach all of his people. They will all know me. So how does he do that? He does that through the Spirit of God within the soul. I don't know how he does that. I don't know that. We can't see all that. Just like we can't see the wind blowing where it where, where, is, where it's going to go and where it's not. We just see the effects of it. We may not see the effects of some people until we go into glory that 
can't talk, can't speak, never was born. We don't know those things, but we know one thing. The Bible says that John the Baptist, while he was in the womb, was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And whenever it was announced that Jesus was going to be born, he leapt in the womb at the sound of that. So we know that God can work and move and and teach Christ to those who are even in the womb. We know that Cornelius never heard the gospel preached, but yet God had already taught him, and he had already knew things and was already praying, and God was hearing his prayer, and his works come before God as righteous, and as he um, as he worshipped God, he just worshipped him not rightly. He didn't know because he didn't know the gospel. He didn't know the full story of everything. But God had taught him who Christ was. Who He taught him that uh, that uh, or had already quickened him, and whenever the gospel came, uh, he believed. There, there's, and of course, we see here with Jeremiah, and you can say the same thing with Paul. He says he called thee, he knew thee, and he called thee, sanctified thee, before he was even born. God sanctified or set him apart for his purpose before he was even born. Well, if that's the case. Then Jeremiah, before he was even born in the born from the womb, before he was even formed in the womb, God already had a relationship with him and knew him. And so, how does this come to be? I don't know how it comes to be to those in the womb. How it comes to be to those who don't have cognitive abilities. All I know is the Bible says that he will come to them. And they will come to him. He says... Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Now I remember back, especially in the Psalms, we find often in the Psalms where it talks about the enemies coming against Christ. Christ talks about, you know, I'm encompassed and surrounded by my enemies. They have come in and and, uh, they're against me. And we think about that. We think about even us as Christians Whenever we preach and teach the gospel, we hold to the things of Christ Jesus that we have enemies from without who wants to come against us. But we see here, Jesus uh, is being told, do not be afraid of of your enemies that are going to come against you, um, that the Lord will deliver him. Jesus knew, of course, being God, he knows all things, but as far as his manhood, Jesus knew uh, that the enemies were going to come, but God had promised to deliver him. Though they come and they take him by cruel hands and by wicked hands, and they beat him and they torture him, they crucify him, that they will not prevail that God would deliver him. We see that picture up on the mountain whenever Abraham took Isaac up there, the child of promise, Christ being the child of promise, being the being the one of promise to come. Abraham took Isaac up on the mountain to sacrifice Isaac, and before Abraham did the deed of of, of slaying Isaac, what did God do? God provided a substitute. He provided a ram. He provided something. He uh, He delivered his people by this ram. And we look and we see that when Christ came and he died for us, 
He was our sacrifice. And even though all these men came and railed against him and thought they'd killed him, thought they had done away with him, ended his ministry, shut his mouth, shut down the gospel that he was preaching, the Lord prevailed and delivered him from those enemies by raising him from the dead. He delivered him from the enemies uh, and he was victorious. Everything that Jesus came to do, he accomplished. They didn't stop him whatsoever. Matter of fact, the irony of everything is while they thought they were putting Christ to death and, and silencing uh, his message, their very actions of doing that was what God had preordained before the foundation of the world to be the victory over all of his enemies. While the enemies thought they were what they thought for evil, God meant for good. And so God tells Christ, Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. The Lord Jesus often spoke in the Psalms of the Lord delivering him. He knows that the Lord will deliver me. I will not be left uh, uh, to myself. I will not be forgotten. The Lord will not forget me. He will deliver me. He says in verse 9, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms. The Bible teaches us that it is not Christ, the one who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is above every king and every kingdom. He is the one who is over all things. The Bible says that that uh, he is... Uh, uh, been given power over all flesh. That he is the head over all things. And it says here, to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down and to build and to plant. Jesus said himself, he said, I didn't come to make peace but a sword. He didn't come to bring peace with the world, that is. He didn't come to, he, he came and brought peace for his people. But he said, I did not come to bring peace with my message. I came to bring a sword. I came to divide. This is a dividing that's going to happen. This gospel is not going to be received by everybody. It's going to be a dividing thing. It's going to divide those that are mine from those that are not mine. The sheep from the goats. It's going to divide the elect from the reprobate. And it's going to come and it's going to tear down. It's going to pull down. It's going to destroy all the wisdom of the wise. It's going to take all the things of men and what they think that they have built up. Listen, brethren, one of these days, whenever Christ comes again and all things are put down and, and destroyed and the new heavens and the new earth have come, the eternal time, the eternal state comes and all is before God. The sheep are separated from the goats. Judgment comes upon the goats and they're tossed into everlasting darkness. The Bible says that at that time all strongholds will be down. Listen, all those kings that thought they were riling up against Jesus, this country that thinks they can shake their fists in the face of Jesus said, I don't care what you want to say, uh, you know, how you want to dictate to us, you know, what we should believe. Listen, every stronghold will be brought down. There ain't going to be one person standing before the Lord. The Bible says, every knee shall bow. 
They're all going to recognize and see the, the sovereignty of God right there before them. His eyes, the Bible says, that is like fire. The sword of His Word, when it comes out, you know, not literally, but whenever it comes out, it's going to be piercing and dividing. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to slay. And so whenever God comes, or whenever Christ comes, and people of all these worlds that have been against Christ, and even those who have professed Christ, but have not submitted to His righteousness, they're going to be put down and thrown down. The Bible says in verse 11 here, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, or the one who is anointed of God, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod of almond tree, of an almond tree. Now think back. I don't know, maybe some of y'all maybe not put this together or anything, but maybe you have. Anybody else rem- uh, remember an almond, a rod of almond? If you remember in the Ark of the Covenant, when Moses and the people of Israel carried around the Ark of the Covenant, they had in the Ark of the Covenant the rod of Aaron that budded. It was an almond, almond tree, a branch of an almond uh, tree. And it was a rod made from an almond wood, from an almond tree. And that almond wood, it was just a, had been cut off from the tree, but yet it budded. It bore fruit. It came alive. And this is a picture of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The almond tree is just dead. Don't even look like it has much on there. It's just plain. Just a plain piece of wood. And out of that plain piece of wood came fruit. Remember the Bible says about Jesus that he is calmly, that he has nothing there that anybody can, would look at that would they would desire him or would want him or anything that is flashy about him, that he come... Uh, 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 as I said, calmly, just naturally, just looks plain. There isn't nothing flashy about him and everything. He came like an almond branch. But yet out of that rod, out of that, and not to mention the Bible says that he is the rod of David. He is the root out of dry ground. Okay? All these analogies pointing to this very thing that Jesus didn't look like much, but yet out of him sprang all the fruit of his children. That it budded and brought forth fruit. Whenever Christ came as the rod and died on the tree, it brought forth much fruit. Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it bringeth forth, it, it, it abides alone. But if it is put in and it dies, it bears forth fruit. Christ Jesus, whenever he died, he brought forth fruit. He died as a comely man that it, nobody thought. They even railed at him. Look at this man. He claimed to be the Messiah. He claimed to be God's son. He claimed to be all this. And look at him. Here he is. He can't even bring himself down on the tree. I mean, he just looked like another thief on the cross, another another person on the crucifixion cross. But yet out of that very thing, the Bible says, was all the victory over sin and death and the salvation of his people and there was fruit that came from that. And he says, 
Jeremiah, what seest there? Seest thou? And he said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Now look at this verse twelve. Then said the Lord unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. There is the promise of God that the purpose of God is going to uh, take place in Jesus. Look, uh, look back at, hold your place there. Look at Isaiah chapter 53. I think this kind of speaks to the same thing here. Verse 10, Isaiah 53, 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, his fruit. You are, you kids are the fruit of my loins. Okay? You're the fruit or the seed. For he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. I, he shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, <clears throat> for he shall bear their iniquity. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he had poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the intercessors. So that rod that budded, that plain rod of almond, uh, God promised that he would see it flourish and it would be fruitful. What Christ would do in his coming and his taking on flesh would be fruitful, that it wouldn't be a, uh, a failed job. Verse 13, And the word of the Lord came unto me the second time, saying, What seest thou? And I said, I see a seething pot, and the face thereof is toward the north. Then the Lord said unto me, Out of the mount, out of the north, an evil shall break forth upon all the inhabitants of the land. For lo, I will call all the families of the kingdoms of the north, said the Lord, and they shall come, and they shall set every one his throne at the entering of the gates of Jerusalem, and against all the walls thereof round about and against all the cities of Judah, and I will utter my judgments against them, touching all their wickedness, who have forsaken me, and have burned incense unto other gods, and worshipped the works of their own hands. I'll just stop right there, and this illustration that God gives here about the seething pots, and those coming from the north, and I'll be honest with this, I don't know fully what that completely means. The Lord has yet to give me light on that, but I will say this as I look at this and try to find Jesus in this. We know one thing that oftentimes the Bible speaks of Jerusalem speaking of the people of God. That's speaking of us uh, as his people. And it says here that all the families of the kingdoms of the north are all going to come. They're going to set up their thrones around these people and they're going to rail against them. It says they're going to uh, they're going to uh, be against the walls thereof round about, and they will. And God says that He's going to utter His judgments against them. I think about the people of God and how they have been given the gospel, and as they stand in the gospel and preach the gospel, and so many that are around Him, especially professing Christianity today, modern Christianity, false Christianity today, 
sit at the gates of the people of God and are bringing these accusations. But what does the Lord say here? He said, I will utter judgments against them, touching all their wickedness who have forsaken me. See, all the people that have forsaken God, all of those who have, um, as it says here, burned incense to other gods. We see a Christianity today that speak and speak the name Jesus, that speak the name salvation, that speak the name God, they speak the name Christianity, but yet their gospel is far from the biblical gospel. They speak to a Jesus that is not the Jesus of the Bible, who came and actually saved every person for whom he died, and therefore every one of those people will be saved. They preach a Jesus who came with a plan of salvation, who made salvation possible through his death for everybody, but the offer of the gospel must be accepted, and so that person must in turn receive, believe, repent, do some sort of law-keeping or whatever the case might be, whatever condition they put on it, that gospel is a false gospel. That Jesus is a false Jesus. It is another God. And so they have been burning incense, so to speak, to other gods. They have been worshiping other gods. Of course, we know this to be true in Jeremiah's time uh, during the captivity in Babylon. And there was many that were worshiping, uh, had went away from uh, from God, Jehovah, and had been uh, serving and, and, and worshiping uh, Baal. But we look here in our time, we look how we are experiencing this, that there are many who have come against the people of God, and God says here, listen, I see that, I know that, they're not going to get away with that, they're going to come against my people, but in the end, I will judge their wickedness. But notice, it's not just the ones who are Satanism, Satanists, the evil, evil pedophiles and rapists and xenochromists and the, uh, you know, all these bad, bad, bad people. It's also those religious people who have come and have been burning incense, thinking that they are worshiping. Look what he says there at the end of that, verse 16. And worship the works of their own hands. Does that not sound like every other denomination and religion besides that of those who are Christ? Those who are Christ, they realize that it is the work of Christ alone. But everybody else, it's a works thing. It's a salvation of works. And yes, there are people that preach sovereign grace who preach a salvation of works. There are those who claim election. They claim predestination. They claim God's sovereignty in all things, but yet they still preach a gospel of yea and nay. Uh, yea and nay. They preach a gospel of yes or no. Do you want this? Yes or no. Or they preach a gospel of initial salvation is yes by God alone. But final salvation, you have to keep up all these works or you will not get to heaven. I made a post about that this week on my Facebook about the error and the heresy of John Piper and how he believes that final salvation or final justification comes through our obedience, becoming holy, 
And he uses the verse, without holiness, no man will see God. Brethren, the holiness that God requires is not a holiness that we could ever perform in this lifetime. The holiness that God requires and that that verse is talking about is the holiness of Christ that has been imputed to them. Without that holiness, no man will see God. But yet people like these that God is talking about that come and surround themselves around the people of God who either rail against the people of God or are trying to deceive the people of God who are pretending to be the people of God, they're all going to be put down no matter what strike they are. And God will show that their works of uh, all the things that they were doing were the works of their own hands. Remember in Matthew, is it Matthew 7 or Matthew 17? The Bible says that there will be many on that day that say, Lord, Lord, did we not in your name cast out demons and do all these mighty great works? He said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. See what he said up here? He said, I knew thee. He knew Christ. The Bible says that he knows us, right? He knew us from the foundation of the world. Those whom he has for all those who God has foreknew, he predestined. Those who God foreknew, he knows us, who are the elect of God. Those who are not the elect of God, he does not know. Not that he doesn't have cognitive knowledge of them. He does, has not set his love upon them. He has not set a relationship with them. They are not in union with him. They are not his children. They are not his... See, you guys are mine. I know you. We have a... Uh, relationship, family relationship with each other. I know other people, but I don't know them like I know you, right? I have a cognitive knowledge of other people, but I don't have a familiar family relation with them like I do with you guys. We are Christ's children. There is a relationship there and a bond of union as father and children that is not there for all those outside of Christ. And all these people about uh, Jesus will say, I never knew you. You were never mine. You weren't given to me of God. Worship the works of their own hands. I, 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 I keep thinking about that over and over and over again. How long I spent my time on this earth. In essence, I don't want to, I don't want to, I didn't, I would never have admitted to it. And I sure am not proud of it. And I probably was ignorant of it, which I was ignorant of it, I'm, I'm sure of that. But how long on this earth have I spent worshiping the works of my own hands? What I did, what I do. It was how how long did you study your Bible today? How how much time in prayer did you spend? Did you go to church every time the doors was open this week? Did you speak to that person? Oh, you forgot to come. You came off the elevator and didn't speak to that person while you're on the elevator. You didn't do that. Did I do enough today? See, I'm worshiping the works of my own hands because I think it's that that is making the difference in my acceptance with Jesus. Or my keeping with God. The brethren, that is what everybody outside of Christ continues to do. Every religion, I've mentioned this to you guys before. 
every religion has everything, one thing in common across every denomination, every religion, whether it's deemed Christian or non-Christian, every denomination and every religion has one thing in common, and that is the worship of the will. Man has free will to choose and to not choose. Man has free will to obey or not to obey. And people are worshiping the works of their own hands, their own will, their own choices, and they don't even know it because they're ignorant of it. But it will be revealed. God is not going to let that go by. He says, I will utter my judgments against them, touching all their wickedness. Verse 17 Thou therefore gird up thy loins and arise and speak unto them all that I command thee. There again he says, all that I command thee. All that I command thee. You hearing that? I've mentioned, I've preached on this in the, in the past and maybe you guys remember this. You guys know what a, a quantifier is? A quantifier is something that quantifies. Now, you see how intelligent that was? How much I had to study to learn that? It quantifies something. Let me say, let me say this. <clears throat> we, have seven, eight of us in here, okay? Eight of us met together for worship today. What's the quantifier? Eight. Right? Eight of us. The quantity that was here is eight. Okay? So a quantifier is something that delineates the amount or the specificity of who is being talked about. The Bible says, For as many as thou hast given me, I've given eternal life to. As many as is the quantifier. As many as. Not everyone, but as many as thou hast given me. So who is the one that God give eternal life to? As many as was given to Christ. That's the quantifier. Jesus here is using a quantifier. God is using a quantifier here. And who Jesus, the prophet, is to speak to. To all I command thee. Now, someone will say, well, that word all means all. So Jesus spoke and commanded these things to all. So the gospel is a command to all people. That's not what this means. To is, it's very clear to all them that I command thee. If God gives a quantifier, then that means because there is a quantifier, there is a necessity. Now, follow me. Don't check out. There is of necessity a disqualifier. If God uses a quantifier to say to these, it is in opposition to everyone else besides the ones he quantified. If I said all eight of us came for worship today, does that all mean everybody in the world came to worship? No, who came to worship? Here, the eight of us, to the exclusion of everybody else, 
the people across the street, the people down the road, the ones of our membership that are not here, they are not here. So the quantifier is the disqualifier of everybody that's not included in the quantification, right? Therefore, gird up thy loins, arise, and speak unto them all that I command thee. Christ is given to speak and to teach all that the Father has given him. Look at verse 18. For behold, I have made thee this day a defense city and an iron pillar and a brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, and against uh, uh, the people of the land. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee saith the Lord to deliver thee. Again, we see the faithfulness of God in preserving not only Jesus, but his people. As Jerusalem, the Bible talks about the city and talks about Jesus being the corners, chief cornerstone. And we are lively stones that are built up that, that make the walls of the city. Right? And so whenever it speaks of that, it doesn't just speak of God of God's people, but it speaks of Jesus, who is the foundation, who is the chief cornerstone that everything is built on. Jesus said, I will build my church. He's building it upon him. Peter said, Thou art the He said, Who do men say that I am? And he said, Who are who who are you saying that I am, Peter? And Peter said, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, on this rock, not on Peter, but on this rock, I will build my church. What rock? The chief cornerstone. Christ, the Son of God. That's who is being the foundation of God's building. We, being His people, are those lively stones that are being built up to construct this building. Not the walls of an actual building, but a lively people building. And so Jesus, whenever it speaks of Jerusalem, can never be spoken of without having Him at the center and the foundation of it all. The only reason that Jerusalem stands is because the chief cornerstone is there supporting them. The only way that the people of God, that the church of Jesus Christ, stands... It's because Jesus is the chief cornerstone. The only reason that the gates of hell will never prevail against them is because Jesus is the chief cornerstone. And that God has promised that he will not see defeat. For behold, I have made thee a day, uh, this day a defense city, an iron pillar, and brazen walls against the whole land. We're not talking about a fort made out of wood. Okay? You made, made a fort. <clears throat> this is a really bad example, but I think it shows it. Remember the story of the three little pigs? Who's the little pig that was kept safe? The one whose house was made out of bricks, right? The ones that was made out of straw and wood? Nothing. In fact, the Bible even gives another illustration. Those whose house is built upon sand 
what happens. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the walls came tumbling down. However we go. I think I just mixed two different songs together. <laughs> but anyway. But anyway, the point is, is Jesus is the foundation of that city. But whenever it speaks here, the promise that Jerusalem will not be defeated. Now, is it going to be attacked? Absolutely, it's going to be attacked. They came to the outside of the walls and they attacked. We will be attacked. Jesus said in this life, you'll have much tribulation. You're going to be persecuted for my name's sake. You're going to be hated and scorned and, and put to death for my, for my name. But he said, but listen, that city is not going to be destroyed. My people will not be destroyed. My anointed one will not see defeat. He will not fail. He said, they shall fight against thee, but they shall not fail. We look at this lifetime, look, everybody is railing against the gospel of Jesus. Whether it's from the true wicked ones that are really anti-anything uh, gospel, or the ones who have come as a messenger of light. Whether it's Satan in his bare form, in the midst of all these Satan pe- Satan worshippers out there, these these people that are in blatant, open wickedness with all this uh, um, sin in the world, and and then the ones that come as a how Satan comes as a messenger of life. It looks like Christianity, but it's not the true gospel. Whether they come, they are going to fight against us, but they are not going to prevail. Why? For I am with thee saith the Lord, to deliver thee. So brethren, take heart this morning that God has called Jeremiah. God has called the one appointed of God. And He has formed him. He has fashioned him. He has sanctified him. He has sent him as a prophet to teach his people and to show them and to, and to do for them and to deliver them. And nothing in this lifetime, nothing in this world can set itself up against that holy city, His people. Nothing can set itself up against that that is going to prevail. No, The Bible says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That doesn't mean you're not going to be attacked. That doesn't mean you're going to, not going to see failures. That doesn't mean that there's not going to be loss. But in the end... We shall reap if we faint not. And we won't faint because Christ has promised to keep us, right? So I pray that we've seen Christ in this, not just Jeremiah, who it was a, who was a great prophet of the Lord, but we see Christ in here, the anointed, the one appointed of God. Does anybody have any questions this morning? Just some thoughts that I had on this passage today. I didn't know if anybody had anything to add to that. Alright, let's pray. Lord, we're once again grateful for all that you've done. We're also grateful, Father, for this word that you've given to us. Revealing Christ Jesus. And Lord, we're so thankful. Lord, I pray for the scatteredness of my mind and ask forgiveness, Lord, for that. But Lord, all things are from you. And we pray, Lord, that despite my infirmities again that you still teach your people and still can convey truth to them. 
Lord, and I pray that you would also keep them from error that I might ever espouse in the wisdom of my flesh. Lord, I thank you again for this time that we've met together, and I pray that you'll be with us this coming week and that you might keep us. And Lord, we just once again want to give praise and honor to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for it's in his name that we pray. Amen.